0: Lord, be with us as we hear from your word. May it be a sweet aroma to you. May we make a joyful noise in our hearts. Help us to trust and obey what we hear from you today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, If you could turn your Bibles, I'll do our scripture reading today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 21. You can also follow along on the screen. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefits, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere and in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? This is God's word. All right. I actually want to start, before we jump into the sermon, I want to um, just take a brief aside and highlight our Gospel Academy coming up. You've been hearing about it. It's conversations about sex and sexuality. So some of you... Hopefully, you got this handout. The reason I want to highlight it is because we, we're doing several different um, uh, sessions that I want to draw your attention to and highlight for you. And what's going to be important for us is that you register to uh, these so that we know that people are going to come out to this, right? And also because, um, yeah, they have different resources that you're going to need to read beforehand. Not all of them, but some of them. Uh, and so I just want to highlight a few things. You'll notice that um, we're going to have a few on Sunday after church. There's going to be a Q and A with Pastor Andrew. I don't, I haven't been here when we've done that, so that's going to be kind of exciting. But we, the point is, is that we want to invite conversation. We want to invite some dialogue about this topic, sex and sexuality. That's going to, that Paul's going to start jumping into that next week um, in our sermon series. Uh, and then there's also a singles panel, uh, March 12th, uh, that's going to be facilitated by Rebecca Wilson. So excited to hear from the perspective of people who are single in the church and what that experience is like. Those Sunday um, those Sundays, uh, sessions will have heavy snacks. Um... So I know they're at 1 o'clock, so come out to that. We also need to know if you need childcare. So we have some child care ready, but they're not going to be available unless you register and tell us you want childcare. Um, the other thing I want to highlight is in the back, we have this recovering from sexual brokenness. This is a Thursday night. This is a special session where we are bringing in a, um, a professor of counseling from Western Seminary. She was one of my professors, Uh, I think she's great, but she's gonna talk about that really, really tough topic of recovering from sexual abuse. And this isn't just for people who've experienced it, but just for us to be aware of the effects of that, the challenges of that, the prevalence of that, um, I didn't feel uh, you know, qualified to speak on this, so I was excited to bring in someone with a professional background to help speak on this. She's excited to come. So please register for that. She's coming from Santa Cruz. So it'd be nice to know there's, there's gonna be people who are gonna show up to that. That's gonna be Thursday night here. Uh, so we'd love for you to come out to that. And lastly, um, the, the very last uh, Gospel Academy is called The Great Sex Rescue. It's a book discussion facilitated by Nicole Iwawaki. And so I want to highlight this. Here's the book. I have it right here, nice and blue. I don't know why that's important, but it's just, like, inviting. Um, just uh, <laughs> some of us have read this book, uh, some of us who've been mar- who are married, and we have all found it to be very, very powerful. Um, it's kind of a corrective to some bad messages that actually the church has taught. Uh, especially to Christian women. And so both Christian men and Christian women, I think, need to hear this message. Um, and so the deal is, is that if you plan on signing up, uh, and this is on your honor, there are books out there, and you can get them for free today only. So special marketing ploy. Uh, you can pick it up today, but we, it, the other reason I want to highlight it, it is a book. And So it takes a little bit of time. So you're going to need a little time to read it. You can do. The, you can sign up for this course without reading the book, of course. It's not required, but we highly recommend it. Um, there also is, a, as you can see, there is a podcast that they did. You can watch that as well. So just want to highlight that. Would love for you to sign up for that. Okay, I'm just going to move these over here. <clears throat> All right. So we're in First Corinthians and. Um, Paul is going to lay out for us quite a different vision of uh, the Christian life than what the Corinthians were experiencing, right? We heard that. I don't know if you were hearing Paul talk about the apostles versus the Corinthians. And it's quite a punch in the face, right? And so to get us thinking about this, you know, I was thinking about uh, an experience I had recently. I was at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Um, a few weeks ago and that's where we are uh, working with some of the students who are in a program to kind of get back on their feet after maybe a tough go of life they're getting back on their feet and every every uh, once a month we spend time with them we worship with them and um, we we get to know each other and then we have like game time so I'm all about the board games right but this one uh, Sunday what caught my attention was we also do these art projects and uh, Lauren Fitterer leads that. She does a great job. And we, yeah, Lauren. Um, and, and she, uh, what, what caught my attention was she was doing these vision boards where you cut out pictures from magazines and you put them on this board to help visualize your goals for the year. What is your vision for the year? And the whole point of vision is you gotta see it concretely Right. And and so I I wanted to do that because you want to keep your goals in front of you. Right. You wanna visualize them and keep them in front of you. And the principle behind that is we as human beings, we tend to hit what we aim for. So we wanna be conscious of what are we aiming for? And to keep that in front of us, because inevitably we may say we want to do something, but we, we fade or we get sidetracked and start to chase other things than what we want. So we want to, we want to be clear about what we want. We want, to, we want to state what we want, and we want to keep it in front of us, right? And so um, that's kind of what Paul's going to do in this passage, He's going to give us a vision of the, the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom because the Corinthians had gotten kind of sidetracked from it. So this is going to be a challenging message for us today. And I want, to, um, I want you to just take some time. I want you to invite the Father uh, to speak to us. Because as I was thinking about this, when you think about what shapes your vision of success, what shapes your goals in life, one of the most powerful places that will tend to happen is your home. Right, The way you grew up is going to wire you to view what you think life is about because parents, whether they they do it well or not, whether for good or for bad, pass on their values. They pass on their values and so that's what the church is. The church is kind of this reparenting device where now the Father, the Heavenly Father is passing on His values to us so we gotta be ready to rewire Our vision of success, according to what God says is true power, true thriving, true living. The Corinthians had gotten a little sidetracked. And I think probably as Western Americans, we can resonate a little bit with the way they got sidetracked. So let's jump in. We're in verse, Paul says this in verse 7 For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. And I think what Paul's doing here is he's doing something very unique. He doesn't do this often, so it stands out when you read it. He's being being sarcastic. He's going to make a rhetorical punch. And so I was like meditating on this. And what Paul's basically saying, is he's talking to the Corinthians, and they have this problem where they were looking at the spiritual leaders of the day, Paul and Apollos and Peter, and they were beginning to take a sense of pride if they um, aligned with one of them over the other, or if maybe they knew one of them better than the other. And so they were pitting them against each other. And Paul's going to say, no, no, stop all that. We're, we're just people who water and plant, we're nothing. We're just stewards, right? Like Apollos is like a vacuum cleaner and I'm like a microwave. Like are you really gonna boast about that? They're both there to serve your needs. We're both here for you. So why are you boasting about it? You've received from God. But then he continues with that thought and he basically says, you know what? Speaking of what you've received, I wanna talk about that for a second. You know, you Corinthians, you sure have a lot actually. You, you have all you want. You are rich. You are strong. You're living like kings. You know what's funny about that? Us apostles aren't experiencing any of that. And so what, what commentators understand Paul to be doing is he's kind of pointing out that they're living like Jesus, like the millennial reign of Jesus had already begun. As if Jesus had kind of already come back and they were living in the triumph of Christ's return. And Paul says, that's so interesting that you guys get to have all that, but without us apostles. It's like us apostles got left behind from all this glory that you're experiencing. Right? And we we can begin to feel the rhetorical punch on its way. Isn't that interesting, Corinthians, that you have all this? You have all this going on for you and not us apostles. What's going on with that? And so, um, here's what he says. I want to read this in the New Living Translation. He says, instead, I sometimes think God has put us on apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. You Corinthians are living like kings We're being paraded around like prisoners of war. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work warily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage. Like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. I think what Paul is doing is he is massively reorienting the Corinthians about what is worthy of boasting. You know, I mentioned to you, what would you put on your vision board? Like, what is your vision of success? And the trick with that is that sometimes it's what, there's a difference between what you say it is and what it really is. Do you know what I'm saying? And one way that Paul gets at that, what it really is, is he says, I see what you're boasting in. And that's one way to maybe determine what is your vision of success is to ask, what is your boast? Whether privately privately, or publicly, what is that thing that when you experience it or have it, it makes you feel legit? Or when you don't have it, it makes you feel worthless. What is that thing that gives you that, that private morsel of self-satisfaction? What is your boast? And that's what Paul is calling out, what the Corinthians were boasting in. and He's going to reorient what is truly worthy of boasting in the kingdom. They kind of brag, and Paul pulls out like the ultimate humble brag, if I may. Uh, But let's just see it side by side. The Corinthians are acting like kings, and Paul says we're being treated like trash. You guys like feeling strong, us apostles walk in weakness. You guys have the security of plenty, while, while we know the affliction of poverty. You, guys, you Corinthians are liked by everyone. Must be nice. We're slandered on all sides. Mm. Which of these two lives do you want for yourself? Which of these two lives do you want for your children? What is your vision of what success is? And I think Paul's point is this. The power of God's kingdom is exhibited primarily through trials, not triumphs. We like to point out and live in our triumphs. Paul's pointing out all his trials, saying this is what the apostles have by God's design. A little bit devastating to the prosperity gospel. When the apostles, by God's will, are experiencing these, this lacking, this struggle, these trials. And the reason for this is because our time to reign as Christians and experience material blessing is not yet. I was speaking with uh, a member of the church who has a background in law. And he, he made a good point. He says that, that what makes lies believable, what really makes lies um, pernicious and get in, is that they're attached to a lot of truth. If something's just a lie, we can tend to call it out. But when it's attached to a lot of truth, that's when it becomes dangerous. And so the truth is, is that God does reign over the spiritual and the physical. He has promised us both physical and material blessings. But not yet. The material blessings are not yet. That's the lie. And so we t- Andrew mentioned this a few weeks ago. He made a powerful point. That we tend, to, we tend to get anxious and fight and have discontent. Because we're not aware of the bigger story that we're a part of. We're not aware of this amazing ending that we're about to get to. That's kind of Paul's point here. The ending is coming, but we're not there yet. So I would say, I would nuance that point to say, not only know that you're part of a bigger story, know where you're at in this story. We're in the messy middle, church. That's what Paul's saying. It's the messy middle, and that's what we have to honor God with, is this messy middle. And um, I was thinking about this, and it made me think of the movie Rocky, okay? And so Rocky finally won the championship after movie two at the end. Sorry for any spoilers. And so this is a picture where he's won. He finally has the belt. Of course, we know that by the end of movie two, he's all beat up, (laughs) He had, to, he had to go through uh, just crazy pain to get there. But that's what the Corinthians are doing. They're going straight for that. They want the glory. They want the reigning. They want to parade the belts. But we're not at that part of the story. And so we know that for Rocky, he had to go through a lot of trials. He had to go through a lot of training to be able to get to that point. This is one of my favorite scenes. Before he's a, a, a champion, he's in this kind of grungy gym, and his coach uh, makes him to train. He has to chase a chicken in some dirt alley because he needs more speed. It's a humble uh, experience to have to chase a chicken, but it's what he needed. He wasn't ready for the fight. He had to go chase that chicken. And so I think that's a good picture of what God is doing with his church. A good picture of, of what is happening. Paul says it like this. He says, I, At the end of his life, he says, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. There is a race that we need to run right now. There is a fight that we need to fight right now. We're doing victory laps before we finish the race. That's Paul's challenge to the Corinthians. You are trying to wear your crowns before you've learned to pick up your cross. And so to live for material triumph in this life is to live contrary to the gospel. Jesus says that the way of the cross is the way of trials and tribulations, of fighting sin and making sacrifices. That's what has to define the Christian life until he comes. The Christian life is a life of following Jesus, picking up our cross, and suffering before glory, Unless we want to take a different path than our Savior. Unless we want glory before sacrifice. Unless we want to take victory laps while martyrs are dying for the gospel. It's basically what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. You guys are living in triumph. We're still fighting for the kingdom. What are you doing? What are you aiming for? And so, you know, one, one objection might be this. Okay, is this a message calling us to a life of poverty and destitution? And I don't think this passage is calling us to the particulars of Paul's experience in the apostles. But I'll just say this. Praise God for those who he does call to experience that level of affliction in their life for the, for the gospel. Let's honor and praise God and, and learn from people who he does call to experience the particulars of such, such affliction that most of us want to run away from and would be ashamed to experience ourselves. Paul boasts about that. Let's at least honor and be ready if God would call some of us or some of the people we love or some of our children to such a life. But I want to be careful and say I don't think it's the particulars that he's calling us to, but there is a principle. Because do you guys hear what Paul said at the end of this passage? Be imitators of me. There is something we need to glean from this. And so as I thought about that, here's what I think is going on. I believe that Paul is articulating a principle that we can all get behind because it's the principle that Jesus gave. It's the principle of being least of all of being the slave of all. It's a principle of radical vision and serving. So here's what Jesus says. He says, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever would be great among you, so the Corinthians are kind of reveling in, Their vision of greatness. And Jesus says, okay, so you have a vision of greatness. You want to pursue greatness in life. Well, here's what that needs to look like. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we want to experience the power of the kingdom of God, we must take on this radical vision of service to others. Because Jesus says, I am your model for greatness. You want to be great in the kingdom? Then look at what I did. I am your vision. What is on your vision board, Solano Church? Does it look like Jesus on the cross? He says, that's the vision I want you to have. We just sang that song, Be Thou My Vision. Do we even know what we're singing? Do we even know what that means? It sounds nice. Miguel did a good job on the piano. It's pretty. But in life, Jesus says, look at how I gave my life as a ransom I mean, what an amazing concept that the God, I mean, have you ever done, have you ever put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a second? I mean, I know that's a scary thing to try to do, but you're you're God. You created the world. You are the source of love, wisdom, and righteousness, and you come to your people in human, humble form, and they reject you. And you say, but I am here to serve you. I am here to be a slave to all. I'm here to give my life away. Wow, that's kingdom vision right there. And so I've, I had to internalize this myself as a pastor. You know, in that passage, Jesus is talking about leadership. He's talking about authority. Kind of how I've internalized that is that I actually, in a position of leadership, need to hold the church in higher deference than you would hold me. I actually need to... um, Uh, I said it better than I can say it. Um, I need to hold you in higher deference than you hold me. I need to be more willing to receive dishonor and even invite it. while I seek to honor you and be content with that. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, whether that makes you feel like, yeah, that sounds good to me, or it makes you a little uncomfortable. But you know what? The point Paul's making is all of us need to pursue that kind of posture towards each other. Right, That we have that mindset, hey, I want to hold you in high honor, but please don't even worry about that for me. I want to, uh, what do you need for me? How can I help you? Don't even worry about how you say it. Say it to me bluntly, whatever you need to do. If it comes out in revilement, I will bless. If you end up slandering me, speaking evil of me, Paul says, I will entreat. Now, that's the ESV, that word entreat. The Greek word is even more vivid. It's potacaleo. It literally means to beg, to plead, to comfort, to encourage, to come alongside and urge. Man, what a picture of radical serving that when someone speaks evil of you, you take on this posture of pleading with them, imploring them. What do you want to do when someone speaks evil on you? Hammer time. Cold shoulder time, murder time, in our hearts time. (laughs) That wasn't a joke. Um, We get brutal. We get brutal when someone treats us the way we don't want to be treated. And look what Paul said. Look at how he lives out the vision of Christ. I will restrict myself... And my need for respect, honor, and recognition and status, but I will inconvenience myself to show that to you. That's kingdom power. I think Paul's trying to shape our vision boards to look like that. Now that might sound good in real life, but what about real life? That sounds, you know, Paul, one of Paul's issues in this passage is he's he's worried about talk. This is all you guys are all talk. I want I mean I I can I care about power. I want to see the kingdom in your lives. So what I just said, you know, we this is this is a theme in the church. These are this is nothing you haven't heard before. But to truly live it out, so I want us to listen to how Paul kind of the resources he gives them to live it out caught my attention, caught me a little by surprise. He says this in 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed. Because I'm sure they're definitely feeling that way after that. But he's not trying to shame them. I want to admonish you as my beloved children. He's saying, word to word admonish is instruct or correct. I'm, he's trying to say, I'm just trying to speak into your life about what is right. You're going a little sideways. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then... Be imitators of me. I was really struck by that. That Paul, in order to encourage them towards this really challenging vision, he appeals to them as a father figure. He says, I want you to know the kind of relationship I have with you is special. And that is somehow supposed to motivate them. And so I want to I just kind of extract from this what we can as a church what's the principle here notice that he says you have countless guides in christ literally in the greek tens of thousands you have countless guides in christ but not many fathers i became your father through the gospel paul is saying that he has a unique relationship to the church unlike these other guides And so this has a lot of relevance to our approach to church because I feel this. Do you not feel this? You guys have countless guides. Thousands upon thousands of books you can read, sermons you can watch online, uh, pastors who do amazing work all over the world. What am I even doing here? What is the point of all this? I can feel that. But what Paul is saying is none of these guides... None of these authors or pastors with great sermons know you intimately. They are not committed to you in that parental kind of way. Paul is saying, I am committed to you in a way that not many are committed to you. And that's his appeal to them, to listen to them. Right? It's that parental love. And I think we can imagine that kind of love where... You know, I love all the children in Solano, but I have a very special devotion to my own children. I am in their life in a very intimate way, and they know my life in a very intimate way. And Paul is saying there is a power in that that your guides do not have with you. Learn from them, great, but you know what? The reason why I'm talking to you is because I am devoted to you like a father, he says. And you've seen the way I've walked. You know my example. So here's what I think this means. It does not matter how many sermons we have read, how much knowledge we have, how much skill or talent or spiritual gifts we have, if we do not have models to follow. We will not know the power of the kingdom in a way that's more than just talk if we don't have people who are actually embodying this in our lives and have a kind of devotion to us that's like a mother, like a father. So the vision of the kingdom living in the form of Christ-like service is so radical, it doesn't even work to preach it. I mean, you gotta preach it. But that's not gonna accomplish change. It has to be lived out amongst us. We have to see people who've lived this out and feel the power of it. That's what's gonna change us. And so as the church, if we wanna be disciple-making church, then we need to embrace this idea that we we either need father-like figures and mother-like figures in our life, or we need to become those kinds of figures. People who have walked in the service of Christ in this way and whose gray hairs are not in vain. For the gospel. What a gift to the church. That's the power that Paul taps into is follow me as I have followed Christ. It's those who've spent their life relying on the spirit of God, who have a track record of loving others and being loved, a track record of repentance and mistakes and deliverance, and have the scars to prove it. And Paul says that, he says something here where he says, I became your father through the gospel. This isn't something you necessarily, I'm trying to work this out. If you decide to become like that father figure, I think it happens automatically. Because when you love Jesus and you've been following him, you can't help but develop a devotion to his, his people like children, especially in your own church community. As you take on this parental devotion. And you know, I, is this just for people who have gray hair? Is this just for older people? I think we all can play this role in some degree. Like when I was in my teen, when I was in college, it was a 30 year old who was that father figure in my life. When I was in my 20s, it was a 50 year old, you know. And even now, even now in, as, as, as I'm 41, Andrew has been an amazing model for me to follow. I may be 41, but I'm like, I've am like i been a pastor for five years. I got all this like, youthful energy. And so Andrew's able to have this seasoned love for me. And we just had my staff review. Did you guys hear about that last week, our staff reviews? And I just loved, and Miguel and I had both had it, he, Andrew just spoke encouragement into our life, but he spoke some corrective truth. There was some admonishing going on there. And so I just want to highlight that Paul does that. Let's look at this example here. This is how he ends it, which is a little uncomfortable, but he's dealing with the Corinthians. The Corinthians, he loves them, and if you have children, you love them, but you know they go sideways. You know they got some things you got to address. And so listen to his his tone here. He says, some of you are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Paul's like, I want to get real here. I'm going to get real. I'm not interested in flattery here. I want to see if you're really following and obeying Jesus here. That's what matters. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with a spirit of love and gentleness? So that's a father talking right there. He's going to hold the Corinthians in the esteem of love, but love like a father. A father looks at his children and says, I love you so much, but I also have to correct you. I have to admonish you. I have to call out some ways that you're going sideways. And I'm gonna speak those things as truthfully and as lovingly as possible. And I think, you know, one challenge to this is, is this kind of arrogant? You know, is this a little pretentious for someone to say, I am your spiritual father, Solano. And I would say, this is where we wanna be careful not to go too much into the particulars, Paul's approach. You know, I, I can't, no one's ever said this to me and I would be a little worried if they did. Um, but you can just sense when, when that gets embodied. And so I don't want to get into particulars. I'm trying to capture the principle. I'm trying to capture the importance of us being intentional and the power of being able to, to, to model who Jesus is in each other's life. To encourage and correct. To pursue someone out of love. I don't know what that needs to look like for you. I don't know what kind of um, uh, posture you can take towards someone that you can have this kind of role in their life or to receive that role in your life, but we need it as a church. And that's the way we're going to do discipleship. That's how discipleship has to happen. It has to be embodied by us in our walks with God. And so what's the takeaway here? What can we do with all of this, uh, these principles that um, I have attempted to expound upon from Paul's words here. First of all, and by the way, we're gonna, this is the first Sunday of the month, so I'm gonna invite you up to pray after communion. If, you've, if this is your first time, we're gonna do communion. There's gonna be people up here who would like to pray for you. And so I'd like for you to just come up and receive prayer as you feel like you're sensing God wanting you to respond to this message in your life. What, it, what are some things that he's saying to you through this? And so just a few ways that I can guide and direct that. Um, is first of all, let's ask this question. What are you aiming for in life? This is something to um, get clear, state it, um, be honest about it, even if it's not holy. You know what I mean? Even if it doesn't feel righteous, let's just, you know, God already knows what's in your heart. C.S. Lewis said it best, go to God with what's in you, not with what ought to be in you. What are you aiming at? Start to process that with God. How do you want God to shape you in your goals and ambitions? Bring that to him. In what areas is God calling you to Christ-like service to others? So where is he calling you to endure and to bless others and to come alongside difficult relationships? Paul talked about how he had been challenged by trials and persecutions. Where are you experiencing that? And maybe you're tempted to want to run away or fight back or punch back or but maybe how is the Lord calling you to, to follow Paul's example of, of being the least and being the slave of all and, and figuring out how to, to bless and to honor in the midst of those conflicts? And lastly, how do you sense God is calling you to use your life experiences to be a model and a blessing to others? You know, it's not about having all the knowledge and all the degrees and all, all, you know, all the uh, experience in ministry. But what what can you share? What is your life experience? You know, Paul is pretty clear. He's like the Corinthians outclass him in some ways. He acknowledges that. He even says, I came to you in fear and trembling. But he says, but I've walked the walk. I've I've lived this life of actually experiencing kingdom power. And he's, he's not shy with that. He's saying, you guys, I want you to experience this with me. I want to help you. Listen to me. I've been a part of your life. I'm committed to you. So how do you need to kind of embrace that role that God has given you because of your life experiences? Um, how can you model that to others? And lastly, just what are other areas you need prayer for? So this is always a chance to do a little inventory with the Lord, an inventory with your heart. It may have nothing to do with the sermon. It's just you need prayer. We want to be a church that we're able to experience that on Sundays. And so as you come to communion, be praying about this, be thinking about that. And so let me close the sermon in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have become our our heavenly father. Many of us have had different experiences with our earthly families. uh, All a mixture of good and bad. Some more good than bad, some more bad than good. Uh, And so, Lord, that we know that we are desperate and in need of you to come in and be our heavenly father. But um, that's not just an obscure, ephemeral truth, Lord, but you come and speak to us through your servants, through stewards of the gospel, through people who you have called and blessed and and given them the grace to walk with you, to be our models, to be parental in a, a way that encourages us, Lord, many of us are facing challenges and circumstances where we want to fight back. We want to be, we want to fight fire with fire. But Lord, we see Paul gave a different example. He was a servant and slave to all, just like our Savior. Would you give us a vision for that as a church? Would you teach us how to live that way? It's so hard in the moment. We lose sight of this so quickly in the moment. And so Lord, continue to put that vision in front of us. Um, as a church let us live this out model that in our discipleship uh, and be a church that truly loves God and loves neighbor and makes that a reality true kingdom power not just in talk but in the walk Um, and so we ask this in Christ's name